Today is both Palm and Passion Sunday. The day we look at both Jesus' triumphal entry into the holy city of Jerusalem, as well as the cross that awaited him there. The word passion is from the Latin word passio, meaning suffering. And so when we reflect on the passion of Jesus Christ, we are referring primarily to Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. It can be difficult to look upon that pain. Perhaps this year, even more so than other years. This year we approach Holy Week after a year of collective grief. No one is exempt this year. All have been through a prolonged season of strife. The global pandemic and the many and various losses it caused, racist violence, death at the hands of those who had been called to serve and protect, and then Atlanta, Boulder, and even today, Makasa, Indonesia. How much can our collective hearts bear? And so, honestly, I don't want to dwell on the suffering of Christ right now, especially not this year. I would prefer to be cheered up with a pleasant story that had a quickly resolved conclusion. I would rather flee from that encounter with pain on the cross. The psalmist writes, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Oh, that we could fly away. But the pages of scripture keep our feet on the ground. And the narrative draws us into the story of Jesus' life. The intentional steps he took leading up to Jerusalem. His steady path into that great city. Going to the confrontations in the temple. Climbing the stairs to the upper room fleeing for a moment to the Garden of Gethsemane, and then walking, perhaps with his hands bound, 
to his meeting with the high priests and then with Pontius Pilate, and finally the long trail to Golgotha. The stories in scripture keep our feet on the ground right where Jesus' feet were, and this story eventually brings us before the cross again. Jesus' experience there shed light on many of the realities of our own world. The experience of betrayal and abandonment, the injustice of the justice system, being arrested under false pretenses, the physical agony of torture. After going through all of this, it seems only fair that Jesus would have questions. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said in our reading for today. My God, my God, why? Why? Why is this the way of things? Why is the world like this? Why not some alternate version of reality in which people do not suffer, at least not to this extent? Why? Jesus' haunting why is left hanging in the air, unanswered. But the narrative keeps going, drawing our attention over to the sidelines. There, watching from a distance, was a group of people that included Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Younger and Joseph, and Salome. These were friends bearing witness to everything that occurred. Yes, we say that all of the disciples fled, but that is only if you count those listed among the original 12, now 11 individuals. They did flee. But some who knew Jesus, who loved him dearly, who listened to his teachings and followed in his way, some of them did stay. Dear friends who stayed present with compassion in the most difficult hour. And so the question Jesus raised was met not with a clear answer from the heavens, but with the presence of loved ones nearby. Jesus' experience was his alone, but looking on from a distance with compassion were others who loved him. 
In his piercing book entitled Lament for a Son, Nicholas Wolterstorff shares his own personal experience of grief following the death of his 25-year-old son in a mountain climbing accident. Throughout the pages of this book, it becomes clear that Walterstorff did not try to avoid his grief, did not say it wasn't so bad, but instead looked honestly at the depth of his own wounds, grappled with his own questions, and cried out to God in the midst of it. Walter Storff writes this. For a long time, I knew that God is not the impassive, unresponsive, unchanging being portrayed by the classical theologians. I knew of the pathos of God. I knew of God's response of delight and response of displeasure. But strangely, God's suffering I never saw before. God is not only the God of the sufferers, but the God who suffers. The pain and fallenness of humanity have entered into God's heart. Through the prism of my tears, I have seen a suffering God. It is said of God that no one can behold God's face and live. I always thought this meant that no one could see God's splendor and live. A friend said, perhaps it meant that no one could see God's sorrow and live. Or perhaps God's sorrow is splendor. And great mystery to redeem our brokenness and lovelessness, the God who suffers with us did not strike some mighty blow of power, but sent the beloved Son to suffer like us, through his suffering to redeem us from suffering and evil. Instead of explaining our suffering, God shares it. End quote. Emmanuel, God with us, then, is not only present for the pleasant moments we experience, but also present in our darkest hour. Though an experience that you have might be uniquely yours, it is not completely absent the presence of another, one who has chosen to go through all that this life entails, 
great joy and also the depths of pain. And so even if all of our human companions do flee, we are not alone in our times of challenge. Here at the beginning of Holy Week, we are asked to wait and to watch. Many of the things ahead this week will rend our hearts. But even as we grieve, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. This story keeps going. Narratives move. Better than a definitive declaration or a theological statement or pronouncement, narratives continue in evoking the possibilities ahead. And perhaps Mark, best of all the Gospels, since it ends in an incomplete sentence. In the Greek, in the shortest ending of the Gospel of Mark, thought to be the oldest, the original ending of the Gospel of Mark, in the Greek, that whole Gospel ends by saying, they were afraid for... An incomplete sentence just begging the narrative to continue in the lives of all who come after. The story moves, continuing to draw us through the depths of Jesus' pain, but then continuing even on beyond that. Henry Nouwen in a piece entitled The Letter of Consolation, writes this. If the God who revealed life to us and whose only desire is to bring us to life loved us so much that God wanted to experience with us the total absurdity of death, then yes, then there must be hope. Then there must be something more than death. Then there must be a promise that is not fulfilled in our short existence in this world. Then, leaving behind the ones you love, the flowers and the trees, the mountains and the oceans, the beauty of art and music, and all the exuberant gifts of life cannot just be the destruction and cruel end of all things. Then, indeed, we have to wait for the third day. End quote. Friends of God, we wait and we watch, but we do not do so endlessly. 
We do not sit at the door of the tomb forever. In the span of three days, there is change. We open our hearts and open our minds to everything that happened on that Friday. But Sunday will eventually come. Thanks be to God. Amen.